All right, as you grab a seat tonight, if you have a Bible with you, you can open that Bible uh, to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14 is where we're going to be tonight. Um, and um, obviously, for those of you who are regulars here, uh, you'll notice this is uh, a little bit different for us. Typically, it's, it's one of the three of us uh, up on stage. And tonight, uh, we thought we would all be up here. So we typically preach, you know, 40, 45 minutes. So we're thinking of doing triple that tonight. Uh, and you're, just kidding. Just kidding. That's uh, not very you, you funny. Cut it yeah, I know. I know. There are people who are like, I got to go. Um, <laughs> hey, but, but listen. Um, Tonight, uh, we're going to wrap up this vision series. And, and when we say vision, we just mean what do we see God has for our church over the next decade? And we've been calling this vision Calvary 2030 uh, of where we believe God's leading us over the next decade. And so tonight, uh, we're going to talk about what comes next for our church. And as we did so, uh, we thought we would just all up, be up here together and, and kind of have a conversation and dialogue around this text in Acts 14, but, but really around what God is leading our church toward. Yeah. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. But before we jump in, we want to acknowledge something that, that, that is going to happen in the next few days here, and that is this coming Tuesday, we have the midterm elections here in the United States. Um, and so we want to repeat something that we have been clear on for years and years and years, uh, and yet we just want to always say what we believe about the election, what we believe about politics. I want to say three things to you tonight. Number one, I hope you vote. If you are eligible and able to vote, I hope you vote this Tuesday. It is a duty we have and an influence we have in a government and a style of government where we actually get a voice in how it runs. There are millions, there are countless hundreds of millions who have lived all throughout human history, who have lived in societies where they don't get to vote. And so for us to take this for granted is for us to miss out on something precious that we can steward. So number one, yeah. I hope you vote. Number two, if you are a Christian, I hope you vote like a Christian. Um, there is a myth that floats around that as Christians, we're supposed to throw up our hands and be like, well, we can't vote with our Christian values. That, that's, not, that's written nowhere. And in fact, you should not be a Christian every day of the year except election day. Mm -hmm. You should vote as a Christian. Vote the values of our Christian faith. What does that mean? It means that we vote for and believe for a society that is filled with God's definition of righteousness and God's definition of justice. And that's what we want to see flourish in the United States of America, in the state of California, and in the cities we live in. God's definition of righteousness and God's definition of justice. And we want to see that flourish. And so I want to encourage you to vote with the values we see God leading us toward that our society would be shaped in that way. But then here's the final thing. The final thing is a scripture. We will see a sentence we'll see all throughout scripture. And here's that sentence. Over and over and over, the scriptures say something to the effect of, put not your faith in princes. Yeah. And when it says, don't put your faith in princes, what it means is, don't put your faith in government. Yeah. Government will fail you. Government is fickle. Government is not your friend. Government will not do what all you hope it to do. It will not fulfill your deepest hopes and desires and longings. There is only one person who can do that, and his seat is not up for election on Tuesday, right. okay? Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, the resurrected Son of God, seated on high, King of kings, Lord of lords, that he uses the United States as his footstool. He is the king of heaven, the king of earth. This is Jesus who we put our hope in. So I want to encourage you as you go into Tuesday to vote. Vote our values. But if things do not go the way you hope they will go, do not despair. Because God is still the sovereign king of heaven and earth. And we do not put our trust in the Westlake Village City Council or the governor's mansion of California or the president or the Congress of the United States of America. We put our hope in Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, and that he's coming back for his church someday. Amen? Amen. 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 That's, That's who good. we are. All right. Let's take a moment. Um, I, I would love to pray. 
I would love to pray for you as you go vote. I would love to pray for our nation, uh, that we would have peace in the coming week. Uh, there's so much tension, so much conflict, so much opportunity for chaos, uh, and yet I just want to pray peace over our nation right now. So, Father in heaven, we thank you uh, that you put us here in the United States of America. And I don't even assume everyone here uh, is from here or is a citizen here, and yet for those of us who are and are able to vote and, and have been given this responsibility to steward, God, I pray that we would do it well. Yeah. Pray that we would vote. I pray that we would vote in such a way that, you know, that righteousness and justice flourish in our nation. And I pray that we'd be a people who trust you in the midst of it. Yeah. God, we pray for peace in our land. We pray for peace, whatever the outcome. We pray that we would be a people who are faithful to you, whether things go the way we think they should or not. Help us to be a church that is a bright light in the midst of the darkness, no matter where it goes, no matter what happens, holding out the hope of Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus alone. We pray this in his name and all God's people said, Amen. 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 All right. Well, Amen. as we jump into this final sermon uh, in the book of Acts in the 14th chapter, um, what I want to do is I want to talk about what we see as a church leadership when we go forward uh, when it comes to this 2030 vision. 2030, if you're just doing back of the napkin math, is about eight years from now, right? Eight years math. from now. Right, really complicated math. And yet, actually, the way we've tried to break it down is to say most of us don't live in years. What we live in is days, you live each day, one day at a time, right? That's what Jesus called us to do, to live one day at a time. So we tried to say, how many days are between now and 2030? And if you count the year 2030, which we will, the, the number of days between now and 2030 is 2,992. When, when we started this series, it was just over 3,000 days. And so here's what we're looking at. We are looking at 3,000 days between now and 2030. 3,000 days between now and what we see God doing in this church as we hit 2030. And what we've decided to do as a church is divide that up into three 1,000-day blocks. Three 1,000-day blocks that will help shape and determine how our church moves forward in the vision that God has called us toward. And this first 1,000 days, what we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking about 1,000 days of shepherding mm -hmm. that leads to spiritual health. Yeah. Here's what we believe, and, and, and if we're just dead wrong on this, you can just kind of laugh at us, but here's what we believe. Um, there's a lot of unhealthy people in this world right now. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of unhealthy people in our nation, and we'll be bold enough to say it. There's a lot of unhealthy people in our church. Mm -hmm. There are people who have been thrown off, messed up. The last few years have just blown their minds. They've gone crazy on things. They've just backed out of things. They've abandoned spiritual disciplines that they once used to do. Maybe they've just been wounded deeply. Maybe there's physical or emotional pain. Maybe you've gone through things that have just messed up your whole view of God. And our desire over this next thousand days is to shepherd a congregation to a place of spiritual, emotional, relational, physical health. Yeah. That's what we want to see in this next thousand days. So tonight we want to talk about what that really looks like in practice. Yeah. Like in YA, if you're going to be a part of this Thursday night gathering we do, what does it look like over the next thousand days? for us to be a people who are shepherded, not just us shepherding you, but all of us shepherding and encouraging one another towards spiritual health. I wanna talk about that tonight, and I wanna talk about that in light of everything that's happened in the last few years. Like, this was wild. Um, just before the service, um, I had to take a phone call, and for some reason, my phone doesn't work in this room in the building. Maybe some of you have this issue. Um, yeah, I, it does not work. So I walked outside to take the call, and I felt like it was in the Arctic tundra, okay? It was freezing it's outside. It was today. 50, okay? That is just illegal. That is so cold. <laughs> Okay, and yet I walked out there and I was taking the call and I remembered that two years ago our young adult group would meet out there yep. on Thursday nights and we're just like shivering and cold but we're like this is how yep. we're doing church right now and that is so different yeah. and even something as small as where we meet like 20 feet that mm -hmm. way is such a change yeah. and I think for all of us with all the change 
Here's what we need to recognize. Every single one of us should start with the assumption that there's some part of our heart, some part of our mind that has become unhealthy over the last few years. And our job as we think about the next thousand days is to ask this question, how can I bring myself to the healthiest version of me as I follow after Jesus? So that's what we're gonna look at tonight. Again, Acts chapter 14, verse 19 begins this way. It says, then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul, which... (laughs) means throwing rocks at him until he is dead, okay? It's not the other kind of stone, right? They stoned (laughs) Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking that he was dead. But after the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. So, So here's the story. Paul is just preaching and proclaiming the gospel, and there are people who hate him so much they want him dead. And the ancient method of execution was put them over there, throw rocks at them until they die. And that's what they do for Paul. And everyone thinks he's dead, so they roll out. The disciples are like, Paul, you okay? And he just shakes it off. Now, here's what you would think Paul might do. Paul might just kind of abandon the mission. Be like, yeah, they tried to kill me, so I'm out on this. But like, look at these words up here on the screen. He got up and went back into the city. And there's something remarkable about Paul here where he's been bruised, he's been beat up, he's been left for dead, and yet his impulse is, what's next, Lord? I think that's something really beautiful. So as we talk tonight, I want to ask you guys this question. This is one of the first kind of questions we'll kick around tonight is this. Um, I want to ask it this way. How do we get back up after we've been knocked down? Just assuming there's people in this room who have gone through a breakup, have gone through a job loss, have gone through sickness or something in their family. They've just been brutally knocked down in the last few years. How do they get back up like Paul does? Yeah, yeah. So I think, I mean, even just looking at the text, we see that the disciples gather around him. Yeah. And like, I'll be the first to say this past year was really hard. Mm. Like I went through a really hard breakup. I had a death in the family. Um, I was finishing grad school. Like if you guys relate to any of those things, you're like, yeah, just, you know, they pile on. Um, So I think something I learned profoundly as someone who can run towards like autonomy and doing things by myself is that like we need people. And the enemy actually does some of his best work when we're in isolation. Like how many times in scripture are we told to be a part of the body, to be connected to the vine, like abiding is remaining, which is just like remaining in connection to the Lord and others. And it was so humbling because oftentimes you don't want to show weakness, or at least I don't want to show weakness. But even this weekend, um, I was at another church just visiting and they were talking about how God, like he doesn't want to join you in your pity, but he wants to join you in your pain. Mm. And I think sometimes we're like, I don't want to be pitied. I don't want people to pity me. Even my friends, I was like, I don't want to share this because I don't want them to feel sorry for me. Mm. But the same way that God actually wants to join us in our pain, oftentimes like that's what the people of God want to do. And we take turns doing that. So I think that was the biggest kind of advice or takeaway I would give from lived yeah. experience in the so, scripture. So you're saying you, you lean into to small group or a ministry team Absolutely. you're a part of or just a group of friends who get yeah. together and talk about real stuff, not Absolutely. just sports and the weather, yeah. right? Like you get in with people who are really willing to do that. I love that observation in the text, the disciples gathered yes. around him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I also think like Paul's, Paul is awesome. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, he is. <laughs> he just, Amen, brother. Tell us more. <laughs> he, he got back up and went into the city and like I'm sure there's more in there <laughs> like, you know, like he limped in or like there's, they thought he was dead. Like they stoned him and then thought he was dead and then left him. Right. Um, but I, something that when, when I've been knocked down or when I've experienced things and something in talking with many of you is faithfulness. Yeah. Yeah. Like he got back up and went back to things. Right. Instead of just being like, and I think that's actually a lot of that self-pity mm-hmm. or that thought of 
oh, man, ah, oh, I can't do it. I'm weak. I failed. I'm nothing. I'm right. useless. I like we can get in these things of like I don't have enough. I don't have enough. Right. And that's yes, amen. Right. Amen. Like that's at the core of the gospel is that we don't have enough, but He does. Yeah. And and where do we? meet that like an overflowing uh, well of life and energy and effort and strength, knowledge, all that God has, mm-hmm. where does that meet our weakness? Well, it's when we get up and we go. Right. It's when we're faithful. It's when we step back into those places where he, we need it right. rather than shrinking back from it, but rather when yeah. we step up. I think for me, preaching, that's yeah. been a thing over and over and over, is often preaching is this thing that I'm like, oh, I don't do it oh it's tiring it's hard but when i've stepped up into that Mm. i've been like no but i you've called me into this and he meets me when i've stepped into it right you know what's powerful here is it doesn't say that paul was perfectly healthy and then went back into the city right Right. he just goes and i like that like on some level like if you have been knocked down there's something to like i'm going to be obedient to jesus then experience healing not wait until i'm perfectly healed and then walk in obedience and i want to whatever that means for you walking in obedience in this season don't wait until you feel perfect because if you wait until you feel perfect you will never obey i don't feel perfect today and yet i'm trying to walk in obedience to jesus because he's king not my feelings exactly I, i think a big thing about what those, what is it, what is he, that he's calling us to? Like, so often we'll get stuck in these patterns of I, I'm lost, I'm, I'm adrift, I have no idea where to go or what to do, and we'll be like, where are you? Tell me where to go. And we forget that he has told us so much already. Be faithful to what he's already told us. Yes. We know. Get in the word. Yep. Like, get around other people that are with other believers and get on our knees and pray. So, so like that's those three things. what Paul shows us in verse 20. It says, the next day he and Barnabas left for Derby. Mm-hmm. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. And the two words that I would just want to draw our attention to here are the word disciples. So notice mm-hmm. it doesn't say he won a bunch of converts. Right. Like the idea in Christian faith is not to have just people convert to Christian faith. It's to have them be disciples of yeah. Jesus. So there's like a depth to our discipleship. But then it also says they want a large number of disciples, which means like there is this impulse that the church should have to grow to reach more people. Like we never want to just be content with like the people who are here. We always want to have our sights outwardly focused. So if I could kind of ask two questions right. uh, and we'll kind of run through some things quickly here, but yeah. what, what, what is God calling us to do? And when I say us, us as a church, not like the three of us, but all of us to do right. to make Calvary yes. deeper in the next thousand days. Yeah. Like how do we not just skim the surface here, but go deep? I think one of the key things that Brian just said is, or well, it's kind of confusing. Us, not us three, but us. Yeah. It's so easy to think that, like, we are the church. Right. Uh, it's, it's easy for us even to think that at times. Honestly, we have to take those thoughts captive and remind ourselves, no, no, no. We are the church. Right. All of us here. Like, we are the ones that are making disciples. We are the ones that are, that are drawing people deeper. It's not just us. Yeah. Yeah. It's all of yeah. us. So how do we do that together? Yeah. Um, I think we've... Three things that we are focusing on uh, in 2030 are three things that I think fit right in with how do we do it, which is to deliberately elevate our love for God's word, to dramatically escalate our Christ-like compassion, and decisively empower the next generation. Those three things play it out, and specifically in that that making faith um, not a... We can have knowledge, Mm -hmm. and our knowledge of something uh, has a lot of value. 
But that knowledge explodes and blossoms. It blooms when it meets experience. Right. And God doesn't call us to just know about him. He calls us to walk with him. Mm -hmm. And that's what being a disciple was. They made a large number of disciples. And that's what our desire is here for each and every one of you. It's what our desire is for our own hearts is to, is to constantly be like, I want to be a disciple. I don't just want to be a, like in the circle. I want to be like following closer and closer to him. Right. And, and, that, and that means stepping out into faith into these things, not just agreeing with them. Right. Like if over this series you have looked at these things and been like, yes, we should love our Bibles. Amen. Or even yeah. if you didn't think that before, but you're like, oh, I understand why we should. That's good. Yeah. But then you don't actually get in it. Right. Yeah. You're missing that, that blooming, that blossoming, that, that technicolor that comes to life and to that experience, to that truth, when we actually experience it and step into it. Yeah, so depth comes not through knowledge, but through obedience, right? Yeah. It's through actually doing yeah. that someone becomes a deep Christian. Well, let me ask the second question. What, what, what is God calling us to do, all of us, to make Calvary wider in the next thousand days, to, to reach people yeah. who are far from Jesus? Yeah, so funny, as we were talking through this, there's almost this parallel where we're like, okay, in both cases, it's elevating our love for God's word, escalating our compassion, and, and empowering our, the next generation, but what that looks like does look a little different, because as we talked about deeper, that's like actually wanting to pursue the heart of God, and that can be like a more intimate experience. But when we talk about love, the love of God's word, um, I think about what Paul says when he says, have an answer ready for when people are asking yeah. or even challenging your faith. It's oftentimes, it's so easy to almost like talk a half truth around the scriptures or like, I know when I'm not in my Bible, I'll be like, yeah, I'll reference something be like, ooh, like was that actually yeah. what that meant contextually? But there's something to knowing the truth after we've taken it to time with God, community where someone who maybe doesn't know the scripture, we're able to give them the truth in a way that makes sense. That we're not talking Christianese all the time, um, but we're not watering down the truth of God. So that's one. That's like a wide thing when we talk about sharing who God is, is actually knowing who he is through his word. But second, it's like when we talk about compassion, um, that's also going to people. I think often it's like, yeah, I want to grow as a compassionate person. But as Brian was talking about, um, that takes action. That takes getting out of our comfort zone and even just out of the comfort zone of Calvary. I think sometimes as a staff member, I feel like, well, I am involved in special abilities sometimes and high school ministry sometimes and middle school. But when I'm out like on my own time, it could be a little more difficult to be like, but I'm going to actually stop and listen to the spirit and go talk to that person. And that person looks like they're in need. Um, and actually make going to the margin a wider part of my life. Mm -hmm. And then kind of lastly, when we talk about empowering the next generation, that's also intentional to like expand our circles of what discipleship is outside of YA. Like even in here, we have 18 to 30. That's that's like multi-generational in itself, right? Like college can be very different than a yeah, professional at all. Yeah. So it's being intentional not to be like, hey, I'm just going to hang out with the like 25 to 30 year olds. But it's like, I remember what it was like in college. It meant the world to me when I had a young professional come alongside me and be like, do you want to get breakfast? Do you want to go over scripture once a week? Like shout out to Natalie. It was amazing. Um, but then even looking down being like, who's in my life? Who's in my family? And then maybe who is here at the church that it can come and just be intentional with, not just like serve to serve, but really invest in the next generation. 
And so I think those two words, deep and wide, right? Like yeah. if you grew up in church, deep and wide. If you didn't grow up in church, it was a really, ba- it was a banger. It was it. great. Yeah. <laughs> it was just really good. No, it was, it was, it was peak sing. music. No. Everything's gone downhill since. <laughs> but, but, but the point of that is you, you, you lock those two words in and it's like, man, what are we doing here on Thursdays? What are we doing here yeah. at church? We're, we're trying to get deeper, right? And deep comes through obedience. And we're trying to get wide and wide comes through like intentionality. Like, like mm-hmm. Sarah was saying, like there's this, this desire that we actually would be intentional about inviting people to church, about telling people about Jesus, about being Christians, not only at church, but also in our workplaces right. and schools and everywhere right. we go. You see in verse 21, it says this, that they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, and they were strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. So it's like they go back into the city, people are coming to Jesus, and then here's what they're doing. These two words you'll see underlined, they're strengthening the believers mm-hmm. and they're encouraging the believers. Yeah. And, and once again, I want to try to ask the question, not of us three here on stage, but all of us, every person listening tonight, how can each of us help strengthen and encourage the disciples here at Calvary in the next thousand days? Yeah. How can we all be a part of that? Yeah. Again, uh, do you guys remember Home Depot uh, used to have this tagline, you can do it, we can help? And maybe some of you remember that. You can do it, we can help. Well, now you do know that that was their <laughs> <Whoa>. tagline. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, your mic fell off. Oh, no. I if, Mostly because you made a Home Depot reference. Right. <laughs> well, Brian, if you ever make I good got, on that offer of, you know, if you quit here and work at Home Depot. Yeah, that's really what I want to do. That will be your, your catchphrase. Yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, we were talking about this earlier and this idea. I'm just going to talk so you can put your microphone on. Um, but this Whoa. idea of like, we, like as, as staff and as leaders, are positioned to empower you and to give you resources. But really, it's this idea of like, you can do it and we're here to help you. It's not like we can do it and you can help us. And I think sometimes that mentality can like, we can get bottlenecked, right? Cause like yeah. there are three of us right here. There are like over a hundred of you. Um, and we're with you. Like we, we are shoulder to shoulder with you as disciples of Jesus. And we can, we need to learn together. We need to serve yeah. together. Um, and it's kind of breaking down like kind of these three areas that we talked about of like we strengthen and encourage the disciples of Christ through serving together, through giving together, and through praying together. So if yeah. you, I don't know if you want to impact Wh- those. Which little. I'll note, just in, in each of these sort of next step announcements, yeah. you'll see this. This is like something we're talking about every week. Yes. And so this stuff we talk about every week is not just like, what should we announce this week? It's like, no, this is what we actually believe we Absolutely. must do if we're going to be the people God's called us to be. Yeah. yeah. And uh, man, we just want, <laughs> I, I want, I think... The three of us want, we talk about this. We, we wrestle with, man, if only every young adult that enters these doors would leave knowing what the life God has for them, what he intends for them. Right. And that's not a life that's all about you. It's a life that's actually about others, just right. like he is about others. Like, that's what he calls us to. And it's not, it's not this, like, I don't know, it's not so you are, feel morally superior or better about yourself. Like the life of actually following in Jesus is a life of saying, wow, I am not worthy, but he is. And he came and rescued me. And man, if only other people would see that. And I think such a core thing is recognizing how deep our need is and how far his love has reached into our life to rescue us. We'll desire that for others. And it's from that place that we can truly encourage, that we can truly strengthen others. Because it's not me doing it. It's me pointing to Jesus and going, look at him. 
Look at him. He will strengthen you. He will build you up. And that I have to be in that place with him. So, yeah. so in these really practical ways, it's serve, right? And we just keep banging this yeah. drum, like serve somewhere in this church. Like actually have a role in this church. Don't just show yeah. up. Actually use your gifts and spiritual gifts and talents and abilities, right? Give, right? We're just going to unapologetically say that giving is part of what it means to follow Jesus. We want to be a people who give. And then pray. I, I think for some people, actually, the most challenging thing is prayer. Does one of you want to talk about an, an initiative we have coming? starting January 1st, 2023, that tonight people can sign up to be a part of to to really, I think in some ways, learn to pray and then strengthen the believers here at Calvary in in 2023. Absolutely. So going into next year, we have something cool. Um, We've done this in the past, but we want to fill every hour of every day with prayer. Every hour, including like the early a.m., which lucky for this room, some of you are awake during that time. (laughs) Or or haven't gone to sleep yet. Or haven't gone to sleep yet. God bless you. But what we're going to do, and you're going to see this if you come on Sundays in the main room, but you're going to see this on our prayer wall tonight. We have put time slots up there, and we would love for you to own one. This is saying, I am committing to this time slot for the next year. This means you're going to put a Google calendar reminder. You're going to set an alarm. You're going to make this part of your daily routine because we believe this will edify and bless the body. I mean, it's going to build up. Like when we pray, like God moves. It is one of the mysteries of the faith. It's incredible. We get to connect with the Lord of the universe. But there's also something that happens to us. And Brian shared about this where you had a really early time frame yeah. a few years ago yeah. was it so so we did this as a church in 2012 168 yeah. hours a week so we had people in every single time slot i had thursdays i can't it was like 2 a.m 3 a.m and i'd stay up and i'd just stay up those nights but it was this really sweet time with the lord so 52 times 2 a.m thursday morning yeah. uh, i'd be praying and, and god just moved in that that was such a sweet and precious time to me and so tonight what we're going to invite you toward is we're going to invite you to sign up for one of these sarah's going to hold up these cards here what you'll see on the prayer wall and you can go there during this last set of worship. You can go there uh, after the service, Mm -hmm. but is go pick up these cards. And there's kind of two cards. One is when you take home with you to kind of remind you, put it on your fridge, put it on your dashboard. Hey, this is when I'm praying. The other, you give us your name, your email address. And what we're going to do each week is we're not only going to send you prayer requests, we're also going to send you prayer prompts so that you can learn to pray. If you've never sat Mm -hmm. down and prayed for an hour, and this sounds scary, what a cool opportunity to Absolutely. obey and step into yeah. something brave. Um, and so to do this, and so I want to encourage you to sign up. Uh, and we'll send you something every week of the year of 2023 that will help you pray. It is a way you can help build up this church, grow in prayer, grow in the Lord, mature, right? If you just learn Bible verses about prayer, that's not what makes you deep. What makes you deep is praying. Uh, and so I want to encourage you to do this. And then can I just speak something to this room that I'm, I'm going to speak in the weekend services. I will not speak it over that room. Um, I want to challenge this room to pick like the 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. hours or the midnight, right? Because there's a lot Those of people in this church who won't cover. we put on our wall. Um, but man, no- <laughs> I, I did that in a season of my life and it was really sweet. And so yeah. I encourage you to go do that. And listen, if you can't do that time and you need Sundays at four o'clock, awesome, go pray with us. The goal is that you pray. Uh, but I want to challenge you to be a part of that in 2023. So you'll sign up for that now. And it begins at 1201 on January 1st of 2023. So we're going to spend about Happy two year. months getting people signed up for this. Uh, but last time we did this, there were hundreds of people here at Calvary yeah. praying every minute, every second of the day for an entire year. And I think God used that and used that to bless the people who prayed and bless the people who weren't praying. And so I challenge you, Mm -hmm. if you're just going, what's my next step? It's to pray for an hour, 52 times in 2023. I promise you won't regret it. Exactly. And please leave this one on the prayer wall for us. Take this yeah, one good home. Good call. So that one you leave, um, just leave somewhere over there. We'll grab it, right? Put it on the prayer wall. Take, uh, get it take. and take the other one with you. Let's keep going here. Verse 20 says, um, <laughs> verse 20 is one of those ones that no one will ever put on a coffee mug ever. Here's what it says. <laughs> it says, 
We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Like, so, that's Ooh, no one's life first, right? <laughs> um, and yet Paul says this, and he doesn't so say we'll hard. probably go through hardships. He says we will. Like, we must. Like, mm-hmm. we must. In fact, part of what it means to follow Jesus is to go through hardship. Yeah. And so we want to just recognize in this room that hardship... Like hard seasons of your life is normative, not like weird. Yes. It's like normal to go through that. And yet what I want to ask, and maybe we can do this one fairly quickly because yeah. I know sure. we're running on time. Yeah. Um, if someone's suffering right now, like, can you give them like really concrete steps? Like we can say God loves them and knows them and is with them. But like what are some steps practically someone suffering right now can take? Yeah, I think as, as Brian kind of said, the reality that like we're going to suffer, acknowledging that reality. One of the, one of the healthy, healthiest things we can do in life is confront reality. Because yeah. Yeah. from that place, we'll actually be able to navigate what's ahead of us. Otherwise, we're kind of shadow boxing at life. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to confront, confront the reality that hardship is a part of it. Like, this, like you said, this is no one's life first. It's actually everyone's. Yeah. <laughs> like it's Ooh, all of our life dude. first. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> and so we got to acknowledge that suffering is a reality of this life, even for the Christian. Correct. Yeah. That like, until we are at home with Jesus... There's pain and suffering in this world. God has invited us into his patience, his loving patience that more and more people might come to know him. He, he suffers for the sake of more to know him. And when we come to Jesus, we are now in this limbo and we get to participate in his suffering so that more may come into, into the knowledge of him and come into his kingdom. So, so as I recognize that, what are some yeah. steps I can take to, yeah. to deal with the fact so, that right now is hard? So um, there's ways that we can be invited out of suffering. There's some suffering that just is a reality of where we're at. And, the, and suffering that we, can be, that we are invited to step out of, let's get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, Amen. Let's get out of it. And even here at the church, we have a, a number of ways, a number of things that we do that we want to make sure you know about. One is our minister on call line. The three of us and I think probably like 25 yeah. other people um, participate in this 24-7. 24-7, you can call the church. Yes. And there is a pastor that is available to talk. For non-emergency situations. Yeah, and it is important yeah. to say, like yeah. if you're in an emergency, please call 911. But yep. if you need pastoral counseling, if you need to be connected to a counselor, mm-hmm. if you need help even financially, like please call us, we will mm-hmm. connect you. Um, if we are conscious, we try to be available for every hour of yeah. that. Um, that connects to our care department with the wonderful Steve Day and Mac Braden, so many others, Tara. Um, they can connect you to professional counseling. Um, also just like encouragement, like we talked about earlier, open up to your small group, open up to the people in your life who love Jesus, who are for you. Um, sometimes they'll be the one that'll be like pushing you towards that next step because we're not made to do it alone. It's scary sometimes to make the call. There might be addictions that you are struggling with that someone in your small group or someone in your circle, your community has found victory over. Exactly. Learn from them. Exactly. Learn from them. So, so he mentions the suffering thing. And then in verse 23, it says, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for each of them in each mm-hmm. church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. And so yeah. uh, um, elders are, if you don't know how churches function, elders are really the governing body of a church. And so here at this church, we have 10 elders. Those elders oversee everything here. So all of the pastors here, we report to the elders, we submit to the elders. They are the authority here at this church. And, and what God has put in place in the local church is authority structures. It's leadership structures. 
structures. He hasn't just said, all of you just get together and just figure it out. He's put people in place who have responsibility, and that responsibility starts with the elders, but trickles down everywhere, and that's a really a conversation around leadership. Yeah. And so as we get healthy, part of this thousand days of shepherding is a thousand days of people who are willing to step up and lead and shepherd in the context of the local church. And so here's the basic question. Are there opportunities for people, even in this room, yeah. um, to step up and lead over the next thousand days? Let's say there's someone here who's like, you know, I've been showing up here, but I actually think God's called me to like serve and lead and be a part of this and actually influence this church. Yeah. Um, what, what, get, give some really practical next steps. If someone's in that yeah. spot and knows they need to, what can they do? Yeah, yeah. I think um, join in prayer team at six o'clock every Thursday. Um, inquire, with, talk with one of us about potentially leading a small group. You may be like, I'm not qualified. As I said before, amen, you're not. Neither are we. Right. It's only by the blood of Jesus that we have any way to stand before anyone else and, and, and talk about righteousness amen. or any of those things. And so step into this. Step yeah. out on that limb. It, the best, the greatest adventure ever is to do this sort of thing. And God's calling you to adventure. Yeah. So uh, also we come early and help greet people and welcome yeah. people in on Thursday nights. Um, serve with a middle school ministry and like help of acne riddled. Like, oh my <laughs> I don't know. I'm it trying to think to of, be. remember how hard I'm middle school there. was? Help them. <laughs> um, help them. Like there's so much there. Seriously. Come and step in there. Yeah. Um, join in there. Every age that you can imagine, there's yeah. there's a place to serve and to help. Also, every economic s position here. I mean, it's Tuesday uh, Fresh Market. It's helping with, um, there's even ways to help with counseling. If you're somebody who is yeah. compassionate and you're like, man, I'm really good at listening. What do I do with that? Yeah. There are ways that we can, our care ministry will train you in how to sit with people and, and really appropriate ways to sort of listen and kind yeah. of counsel them biblically. Yep. Right. And there are people who need that, who don't need professional counseling. They just need someone who has some wisdom and a listening ear. Right. And you can get involved in that. So, so to both of you, if someone right now, tonight in this room goes, that's me, I got to step in, I got to lead, I got to do this, God's calling, the Spirit's tugging on my heart. Do they, what do they do? First step, talk to you, talk yeah, to you. You could talk to us. Okay. There's also a few different ways. We have sheets on our parallel where you could just fill out your name and check like where you want to serve. We have some next step cards on a high top table as you exit. Yep. Um, we'll take you to our website. There's, it will pop up a form. You could pick how you want to serve. Um, so, so just talk to her, talk to her, him, go to form, go to the website, like website. literally just do something, throw your hands in the air and scream and yes. we'll find you. Okay. Yes. Like whatever yeah. it takes. And just one, one yeah. thing I want to yeah. add just really, really yeah. quickly. Um, there's of course we want, like you talked about a few weeks ago, there's practical ways to actually step in really directly and serve, but I just, we just didn't want to miss this either. Like there's other spheres of influence you have. Like it starts with your heart. Like it starts with you allowing to like serve Christ with your life, but then it goes down like be a leader in your family, like be a leader in your home with your roommates, like lead in your place of work. And that doesn't look like you're wielding all the power and the authority. We talked more about this idea that as Christians, even at create an image of God, like we're given influence, like when we have the spirit inside of us, but usually that comes from a servant posture. So it comes to this place of like, lead through serving the people you live with, lead through serving your family, asking the Lord those places. Cause if you're not going to do it in private, you're not going to do it in public. Yes. Yeah. And we don't want you coming to church, even for ourselves as staff, as leadership, where we're like, 
here and we're like, oh yeah, we're serving, leaving here, but then go back to our families and friends and there's just this big gap. Like yep. we want to yep. be consistent how we practice these things. Yep. So just know too, like start there and it might lead you to serving somewhere here, yep. somewhere outside the church. Absolutely. Well, let me let me finish the story here and ask one more question for us tonight because uh, we're coming up on time. But um, verse 24, it starts to give their like travel itinerary. So try to stick with me through a bunch of words that are hard to pronounce yeah. and you've never heard of. Um, so it says, <laughs> after going to, through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, yes. which sounds like pamphlet, but I just, that's Good my job. brain. Uh, and it says, and after they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. And from Atalia, they sailed, sailed to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work that they had done and now, and now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Verse 28 says this. It says, and they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Now, um, a long time, you can look at the Greek there, and it just means a long time. I have no idea how long they stayed there, okay? Yeah. Uh, I have no idea how long this was, and yet um, what they did was they decided to stay somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and I actually think one of the most powerful things that you can do in your life is have the ministry of staying. Yeah. Like sometimes a bold step of faith is to leave and go somewhere, but I try to say this from time to time. Sometimes following Jesus means staying planted exactly where God has put you. Right. Um, and so I want to call some of us to think about, okay, um, the tendency for people our age, young people, right? Mm-hmm. We're including ourselves as young people. Uh, but the tendency for, for those of us who are under the age of 30 um, is to think, I've just got to keep moving around and um, different churches, different jobs, different friends, different apartments. But sometimes the ministry is to stay put in one place. And I don't know who I'm speaking to tonight, mm-hmm. but I just want to challenge someone to say, over the next few years of your life, maybe the most deep impact you will make anywhere is if you stay somewhere rather than keep leaving and going on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the midst of that, I, I want to ask this question for someone who says, you know what, I'm in, I'm staying. Uh, I'm a part of what God's doing here. Uh, and even if things don't go exactly the way I want them to go, I'm staying here. Uh, the question is, what, what is the Lord calling us to do in what we're going to call a long time of the next thousand days? The next thousand days, Sarah, Brian, what is God calling us to do? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, we're going to say things that you're like, oh, I've heard this before, but like we re- we're going to stick by it because we feel like it's where the Lord is leading us. And when we talk about loving God more, like identify ways you can pursue God. Because yeah. I think what it's true, sometimes it's so lucrative to say, well, if I just move there, if I move to this city and go to this church and connect to this person, then X, Y, and Z is going to happen. But God calls us to be faithful to the same things no matter where we are. And he doesn't change. His character is consistent. So I think it's cultivating ways where we can actually have a hunger to know more of God. Because if he does say, hey, go here, go there, just like with Paul, he's carrying that same faithfulness with him, just like we're called to do. So I think in loving God more, identify ways you can pursue God. Like you'd pursue a friend or someone you're interested in romantically. Like we put effort towards the things we value. Mm -hmm. So that's one. Um, Next, it's love love God's family more. Um, and you have this great phrase that you use. Um, you've used it with me before, and I use it with your family. If you could just share a little bit on that, like, there you are, not here yeah. anything. Um, I heard this said once, and it's just stuck with me. Um, be, a, be a there you are person, not a here I am person. And I, if, if we're going to be a people, we, all of us, are going to be a people who are shepherding one another over these next thousand days, shepherding each other to spiritual health, to physical health, to, to just health. Um, we need to be the sort of people who walk in to any room, to any place, and we're like, we're focused on, oh, there you are. Oh, there you are. Not a, I'm here, guys. Here I am. Yeah. Uh, there's a story. I worked at a camp, and um, Chris probably knows this guy, but I'll call him James. I'll try and remember sure. that name as I tell this story. Um, 
James, he's this dude who like, uh, he was probably late 40s, early 50s, um, had a rough life, like rough life, a lot, a lot of turmoil, a lot of stuff. He made a lot of bad decisions, put him in a rough place. He came to know the Lord, um, and he had a family, and he had no way to provide for them. Because of a lot of his past decisions, nobody would hire him. Um, he ended up getting a job at Forest Home, and he worked part-time, uh, lived in this tiny little house with his family, like up in the mountains. It's kind of there's some houses where you're like, people live there? And it's like, yeah, uh-huh. Um, anyway, uh, worked part-time, and he had like the lowest of low job sort of thing, like the least glamorous job. He worked in the accommodations department, and he was the guy that would get called when the toilet's clogged. He was the guy that would get called when there's throw-up in the, in the dining hall. Like he had the worst jobs, and yet this man led that entire staff. He was the spiritual leader of a staff of hundreds of people because as he went about his job, he was always a there you are person. And that there you are wasn't just about you. It was about there you are and God loves you. Yes, yes. And everywhere he went, he would pray. And he would pray boldly (laughs) and sometimes obnoxiously. (laughs) Like he'd be driving up the road and I'd be like walking, you know, and he'd like stop in the middle of the road, roll down his window, Brian! Brother, Father God, take care of this man. You see him. You see his hard work. Thank you for all that he's doing. Thank you for the heart you've given him. Multiply. Multiply what you've given him. Mm. And then you just drive on. And he did this everywhere he went. He did it with campers. He did it with, I mean, he'd be like plunging a toilet and talking to like a dad and be like, wow, your kids are awesome. You know, God has given you good stuff. Can I pray for you? You know, and it's like wild. But the thing is, it's not about position that makes a leader. Right. It's not about position that makes a shepherd. Here's a guy who positionally had no authority. And for every reason, you like, we, he could have thought of himself or everyone else could have thought of him as like, ah, oh, he's got no influence. And yet I can truly honestly say, and I think Carissa can agree. Carissa worked at Forest Home, by the way. Um, that man was more of a spiritual leader for that staff of hundreds of people than the president. More of a spiritual leader for the staff of hundreds of people and for the thousands and thousands of campers that came there. He led them spiritually more than I did as a director, more than the guy who was over the ministry programs. And it wasn't because the president or me or the other guy weren't, weren't qualified or weren't doing our job. It's just he was a man who went all out, and God blessed it. Yes. And God I, intended to I use love, it. I love this in particular because under, like, love God's family more, sometimes I think we forget that, like, we need edification and encouragement. Sorry, I keep yeah. using that word. It just means, like, enrichment. Like, when we speak the word of God over people or pray, like your friend did, it's like that gives life to the body. Like, I had a friend who would talk about how encouragement, especially encouragement that aligns with the character of God and scripture is, like, oxygen to the church. I think in a times we're so often either focused on outreach or like division within the church, we need to be people that look out. We want to be people who look out and encourage the body knowing we're connected. Like the people sitting around you like can benefit from a prayer or an encouraging word or just like eye contact and asking how they're doing. So loving God's family takes intentionality. And then kind of the last thing we're talking about is loving our neighbors more. And I think where that starts is like, okay, what's God calling us to do? Identify who your neighbors are. Like, we don't live as much in, like, a front porch culture. Like, if you go to the South, people literally hang out in their front yards. We live kind of in this backyard culture. You come home, you shut your garage or if you're in an apartment. 
but we want to we want to be countercultural in the kingdom of God. We yeah. want to be people who are like actually like I used to live in an apartment complex, and I would walk outside and there'd be morning, mornings where I'm like, oh no, my neighbor's out there, and the Holy Spirit would be like, and you're gonna talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> and but there's so much fruit. I can yeah. say there's so yeah. much fruit. Yeah. Or like at the gym when you're like, I don't want to be bothered. What if you took out your headphones? Like there's just little yeah. things. Look at where you're at most frequently, and pray before you go there, yeah. and ask the Lord, who's my neighbor, yeah. and then be intentional to pray for those interactions, to pray for them. Because again, it takes intentionality. We're not just going to stumble into loving our neighbors. So it takes that time with the Lord. So so what's God calling us to in the next thousand days is to love God more, to love God's family more, and to love our neighbors more. And really, we believe those three things make up the phrase that you will see everywhere here at Calvary, and that is to live and love like Jesus. Um, And and so in order to sort of establish that point in your heart, um, we have gone and printed thousands of coffee mugs for you. Uh, And so tonight, uh, cheers. cheers, Or tea. Or tea. Water uh, mugs. Sometimes I use coffee mugs for pens or pencils. um, But... But we have printed thousands of these uh, for everyone at our church. And so tonight, as you leave, you'll be able to grab one of these coffee mugs. And here's the reason. It's not because you need another coffee mug. You you probably have a lot of coffee mugs, right? Here's the reason. Um, Because there are moments in all of our lives where it's easy to take our eye off the ball. Absolutely. It is easy for us to just kind of get lost in politics and our nation and the culture and to get so spun up on things going on in the news. And you know what I hope happens to you from time to time? That you see this and go, you know what? My first job is live in love like Jesus. Yeah. Uh, where things are going on with your roommates and it's dramatic and someone forgot to do the dishes and someone left the door open and there's problems going on with the roommates and you remind yourself, my job is not to hate her. It is to live in love like Jesus. Uh, that there will be moments where you feel like you've fallen short and you've sinned and you're not yeah. even sure. God wants you. And he says, no, 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 I do. I'm making you into someone who's like Jesus. And so um, these mugs are not just another mug for you. These mugs are meant to be a reminder to you of who God has called you to be. They're meant to be a conversation starter because um, here's something you'll realize. Live in love like Jesus is a conversation starter if you talk to someone who doesn't know Jesus. Um, Because even people who don't believe in Jesus or don't think he's like the king, the the, the sovereign resurrected son of God, they have opinions on Jesus. And you know what we get to do as his followers? We get to talk about him all the time. Uh, And that's what we do and that's what we're all about and so i encourage you tonight on your way out to grab one of these mugs uh, to use it as a conversation starter and use it as a reminder of who god has called you to be this church exists for one reason and that reason is to make disciples who live in love like jesus and what we want for everyone in this room is to be in on that mission for the next thousand days and however many days until jesus comes to take us home so that's what we're doing that's where we're going and we hope as many of you as possible are in on that mission can we take a moment to pray our band's going to make their way up we're going to close by saying amen and just two songs uh and we're going to take this time uh to to set our hearts toward that jesus so let's pray uh father in heaven thank you for tonight and thank you for your word um thank you that you challenge us to be a people um who wherever we are right now wherever's happening in this next thousand days to get healthy healthy before you healthy before others healthy in our own souls god help us to be a people who know you and trust you and love you like never before. God, I pray for someone who's kind of been drifting from you, who's in this room right now. God, would you use tonight to draw them back, to turn their heart to back to the Father. Uh, God, I pray your Holy Spirit would be present in this room for those of us who love you and know you and walk with you. May you meet us in power as we go. So God, help us to love you more, to love your family more, to love our neighbors more. God, help us to be a people who live and love like Jesus. We pray it in Christ's name. And all God's people said real loud. Amen. Amen.